When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, it's Dan here from Desert Island Dicks. Our guest this episode is comedian Alice Fraser. She's got a special out now on Amazon Prime, and we spoke while she was quarantined in Australia, so I think this is the first international Desert Island Dicks. Not that that makes much difference. Anyway, if you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe, or leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And now here's Desert Island Dicks with Alice Fraser. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst things and worst people imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian and podcaster Alice Fraser. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm I'm going absolutely uh, disintegrating as a personality in full quarantine. So not allowed to go for walks, not allowed to see people or touch people, and it's it's a lot. And so, and you're in Sydney at the minute. So this is a fully international desert island X. This is. I mean, I am on a desert island in many ways. <laughs> okay. Well. Um... <laughs> Uh, so obviously you're you're quarantined and um, it's probably quite boring. Maybe this will sort of I don't know bring some joy into your life via the medium of hating people, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, sure. And uh, uh, in terms of choosing people, is it was it a difficult process for you, or you, how did you find it? It was a difficult process. I find it very difficult to say my favourite or least favourite of anything because my uh, my particularly like favourites change a lot depending on my mood. Hmm. Uh, and I don't like to hate anybody because I was brought up Buddhist and <laughs> I, I, I tend to feel really sorry for everyone. That's my problem is I just feel so sorry for everyone, even horrible people, because I think it must be really hard to be that horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, I'm hoping that uh, this isn't too tricky for you as, as a Buddhist. I don't want to sort of like undo any teachings through through, <laughs> through this lighthearted podcast. That's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to bring up the, the loathing that I feel for particular individuals. Do they all have to have names is the question, though. Well, it's up to you. Some people like to, you know, in the case of, say, like old bosses or business partners they might allude to someone rather than a full name it's entirely up to you though but let's just crack on then um because obviously it's it's quite late at night where you are so um it is indeed who's going to be your first first choice for the island the first choice uh, for the island for me is a lady who came up to me after a show and the show in the show i had done a joke about uh, the fact that we want to think that we are rational people and then you look at domestic violence statistics or the fact that magicians exist and are popular <laughs> and this woman came up to me after the show with the express intent of making me feel bad about that joke and she said i, I want to have a chat with you about that joke and i thought oh god this is terrible I've I've offended her. She must be a survivor of, of and like that's clearly not the target of the joke. But I've said something and it's made her really upset. And she said, "What's your issue with magicians?" <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> wow. Um, and that that 
I, d- I don't think she would be a fun person to have on a desert island because I don't think she has her priorities straight. <laughs> that's, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> wow. And uh, did, did, was she sort of, was she a magician herself or affiliated with any? Or uh, She was affiliated with a magician. Apparently he has a chip on his shoulder about the fact that, ma- that comedians have contempt for magicians, which I don't really. Um, it, well, in, the, in that joke, that the point was not that magicians are contemptible, but that they are incredible encouraging irrationality but um i also do i mean i know plenty of magicians who are very nice uh but i think there's a a a large segment of let's say the magician community who are young men who couldn't talk to women and decided that instead of trying to learn to talk to women they would learn how to trick women (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i think there is just definitely something in that I used to know someone at uni who was a lovely guy, had no trouble talking to people, but he got very into magic. And after that, you could never have a conversation with him without him pulling out some tricks or something. And it became unbearable. You just couldn't speak to him. It's like, I know this card trick is impressive, but I haven't seen you in six months. You've just been away. Can we just talk about how you are, you know, without (laughs) making something disappear up your sleeve? Yeah. Yes, that, so that's if if I do have any beef with magicians, it's with a small segment of the magic community, uh, who are sort of parallel with maybe the pickup artist community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you sort of mentioned is there is there a bit of animosity between comedians and magicians? Then is this a sort of a thing that the rest of us don't know about? Uh, it's not so much animosity, I think, or if it is animosity, is it's it's sort of very specific. Uh, I think that comedians. Um, don't necessarily re- respect the performance skills of com- of magicians, in part because magicians use um, use each other's jokes. Okay. So there, there's magician patter that is shared or setups that are shared, which comedians no lo- uh, you know in the olden days in the cat skills you might have jokes that were being done by every comedian. Um, they would do the same jokes or the same intros. And even now you'll see MCs uh, or compares will tend to do similar things. But for the most part, it's very frowned on in the comedy community to use someone else's material or use someone else's jokes. So there's a, a kind of a, a lack of communication on that issue. And if, if I went to see a comedy show, obviously you know, there might be things that I like more than others or some things I don't agree with, but to sort of feel so strongly to approach a comedian afterwards, I always just, so, I mean, for that reason, I just think she'd be an awful person to be stuck with. Yes, that it was. It was the a that she didn't have her priorities straight, and b that I think maybe she wouldn't um, necessarily have the social skills, hmm. or you know, in a situation where the last coconut had disappeared, she wouldn't be the one who is giving you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I can imagine if you know someone trod on a poisonous fish or something, you know, she'd be the one to sort of complain about having broken a nail or something, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you want someone with good priorities on a desert island, I think. And skills, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And also, I suppose maybe one of her skills would be doing magic tricks, which, you know, not... I mean, you want to keep your morale up, but <laughs> probably not the time and the place for that. <laughs> exactly. I don't need someone sword in half. Yeah. Although I suppose if you could legitimately saw someone in half, I mean, she might be the one that ended up being, you know... Being sword in half. Yeah. yeah or she'd be first, first on the food pile. <laughs> I know we're all hungry, but uh, there's a coin behind your ear, like, you know, or sort of suggesting, how can you be hungry with all this food and then like pull a rabbit out of a hat or something, but it's a toy rabbit, so you can't eat it. And okay. So anything else on who, what are we going to call this person? A magician's assistant? A magician's companion? Let's call her 
uh, Delilah. Okay. Because it sounds like a, a moderately officious name. Okay. So Delilah joins you on the island. And um, who's going to be your second choice? My second choice uh, for for a dick that I would not want on the, the island um, would be a guy in university who asked me out on a date and then ranked my body parts out of 10. Wow. Okay. So he said, he said, your ass is a 10, but your tits are a seven over a cup of coffee, you know, like, wow. I, cause, cause I was going to ask in, in what sort of <laughs> format did he rank you? Was it sort of like online to his friends, but no, just to your face, to my face in conversation. He, he, he was German. Um, I don't know if that's relevant to, <laughs> at all, but he said it like he thought I would be interested in his ranking of my body parts. That's extraordinary. I mean, a stereotype of a, of a German would suggest that maybe they're more interested in statistics and, and data if we were sort of to go down that route. But <laughs> I, I don't know if that makes it acceptable. There, there is a cultural um, educational emphasis on things like engineering and data. Yeah, I don't I don't I still don't think that that's OK. No. Oh, no. Absolutely. I'm in no way defending that. Um, and so and how do you react to something like that? Um, I, at that time, was probably more um, more polite than I would be now. <laughs> it was early on in my in my life, and I wasn't used to being an object of attraction. I was a sort of very awkward teenager, and then blossomed in university a little bit more. Uh, so I, I wasn't very good at processing both uh, welcome or unwelcome sexual attention. So I think I probably just made a joke and uh, moved on and then never talked to him again. <laughs> That's extraordinary. So, and presumably he's doing that to sort of all the women he goes out with. Yeah, it might it might be uh, it might have been a, a negging thing to return to the game that I mentioned earlier, the pickup artist game. Mm. Uh, I, but I don't think it was. I think it was just his his sense that he had a a right to say something like that and b that i would be interested in his assessment (laughs) and um can i ask was this before or after a date was this sort of just on meeting he just sort of said i think here's your stats so it was sort of one of those ambiguous dates where you, you we met up in class and he said oh would you like to go get a coffee and so it was one of those maybe this is a friendship situation or maybe it was a date situation this might have been his attempt to turn it from potentially you know we were talking about the class and our readings and things so it might have been his attempt to turn things into a slightly more flirty direction um, but it, it, it did not succeed I'm afraid. <laughs> that's extraordinary I just, this sort of I suppose the balls of the guy maybe that sort of mentality would come in handy on an island because he's obviously so sure of himself he'd try and make things work but I I mean that's being very very kind (laughs) (laughs) I think mainly it would just be an absolute fucking nightmare yep yeah so so not him yeah I mean especially struggling for food and shelter if you've sort of cobbled together some makeshift hut out of palm leaves and then he comes in and goes yeah well the roof's an eight but you know the walls are a four you know well on one on the on first glance it might be a you know you might think well that kind of engineeringy efficient mindset would be useful but actually i think when you're on a desert island uh, emotional support is also quite important and being able to get on with someone mm. uh, would would be quite important 
Yeah, and and you know you're not going to feel remotely comfortable with him if you you know for a fact you're constantly being judged. Yeah, you know there's no ambiguity about it. He's telling you that he's judging you constantly. Yeah, yeah, he'd call you out for not shaving your legs on the desert island. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm assuming that he obviously had quite a high opinion of himself to sort of be able to give out these these uh, statistics on you. Yes. Yeah, which is not what you want. You want a cooperative spirit and a compassionate spirit on a desert island, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so and um so German uh stat giver is going is going on the island with you. Yes. Uh, let's call him Sven because that was his name. Okay. <laughs> 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 and I think him and the the magician lady, uh sorry, what did we call her? Dolores, no. Delilah. Delilah, sorry. Uh, him and Delilah, I think, together would be a particularly difficult pair. Yes, I imagine they would uh, antagonise one another and yet work together to antagonise you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a real pincer movement of dicks there, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, now, Alice, uh, who would be your, your third choice? Uh, my third choice, slightly counterintuitive one, mm-hmm. is a, a friend of mine. Um, let's call him Tom. That isn't his name, but it's what most men are called in my experience. And he is a lovely, lovely artistic person, uh, but he is too sincere. Right, yeah. So he he will, in the course of a normal conversation, put both hands on your face and say, I just want you to know how much I value you. I really love you. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and and just as a friend, as a normal thing that he does with his friends and as an Australian, I can't cope with that level of emotional honesty and I can't match it. Like if I match that level of intensity, we would make out. <laughs> Which, I mean, you just I don't know how to process that that kind of sincerity I think it would be quite hard work that's like he was a dog in his former life or something and he's become a human but he still has the traits of a dog it's just so open and loving it's so beautiful and and yet so maybe this doesn't quite count as a desert island dick because he's definitely not a dick he's a lovely 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 person but I think I'm not that lovely a person. I would be the dick in that situation. <laughs> but it is, it is very difficult with people like that, isn't it? Because it's, I know people like this and, you know, it's because I can't accept this level of, of interaction that I can't sort of bear it. But it's also, you know, our culture, you know, as, as Brits or Australians, it's a similar kind of mentality. You just, it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. I can't, I can't, it, it, I can't process it. I can't handle it. I can't absorb it. I find it deeply uncomfortable. And uh, yeah, I think that would be quite hard work. So am I allowed to have him even though I do genuinely love him? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's people that would, you know, great or, or make you uncomfortable over time or just, I mean, throwing him into the melting pot with your other choices as well. I think that's going to be quite the quite the mixture. Yes, I think I think combined with Delilah and Sven, it would just it would be a conflagration of of <laughs> incompatibility. <laughs> <laughs> I think as well. I mean, you know, as you said, it's tempting to kind of feel when faced with someone like this that you know the oh it's me you know, and it's my fault. I should just be open and loving and and you know gracious with my my love and respect for people. But at the same time, in our defence. 
you got to read the room, you know. Like, if you're that far out of step with the rest of society, I mean, you know, like, be a normal human, read the room, know what's socially acceptable in, you know, in your society, you know. So, this the fault lies at his door a little bit as well, I think. Yeah, I, I maybe. I think the thing that all three of these desert island dicks have in common is a, a, a different. A uh, different set of boundaries from what I would think is appropriate. Absolutely, and an inability to sort of distinguish about the the, the sort of societal norms. Yeah, one thinks that um, domestic violence is below slagging off magicians. <laughs> the other one thinks it's acceptable to rate your body parts to your face, and the other one is cradling your face in his hands and looking deep into your eyes and saying how nice you oh, are. Too upsetting. How are you going to get anything done? <laughs> I think um, your friend isn't American by any chance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because it feels like this thing, a friend of mine worked at Facebook and she said that this sort of thing was happening all the time. You'll be in a meeting and someone says, guys, can I just stop for a minute and just say how happy I am to be working with you at the minute? Because, you know, I just feel like this is a real dream team. We're going to achieve great things. And I, I just don't know how people survive that kind of yeah. environment and then they fire you if you're late <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly it's cultural differences yeah okay we'll chalk it down to that then <laughs> um now alice mercifully among the wreckage of the plane there was some food and drink left over unfortunately for you it's your least favorite food and drink in the world what are they and why are they so bad okay uh capers 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 okay because uh, I was bullied in high school and one of the things that happened was that a girl who knew that I didn't like capers at that time uh, poured a jar of capers into my school bag, which meant that my school bag smelled like increasingly off capers for the rest of the year. Oh, man. That's uh, that's kind of like like a bully crossed with a delicatessen owner. (laughs) Like, it's quite a posh form of bullying. Yeah, it's niche, isn't it? I mean, it's... It wasn't like I went to a fancy school or anything. I'm not, I mean, in retrospect, I just want to know where she got the jar of capers. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was no fun for me. And you're growing up in Australia, so obviously a hot climate and, you know, going off pickled... I don't even know what they are, capers. No one really understands them, do they? Like, are they from the sea? Are they a plant? What, what are they? <laughs> yeah. They're from, they're from the butthole of outer space. I, they're not. Yeah, I, I've had a very uh, bad feeling about capers ever since. And you know they're small and tiny. They're going to be difficult to clean out of the little crevices of your bag as well. So very difficult. Yeah, not not fun. Has that has that extended to all sort of pickled foods or? or, or things like that no i'm i'm pretty okay with pickled foods uh i have that slightly sort of whole foodie hippie aesthetic and i you know i'll i like a a kimchi or a something a sauerkraut or you know fermented foods i'm i'm totally fine with fermented foods and it's just specifically capers yeah yeah you wouldn't necessarily think they were that distinct but in my mind uh, they are i can smell a caper a thousand yards off (laughs) Well, I mean, at least it's given you a uh, somewhat niche but perhaps useful super skill in one sense. (laughs) Um, uh, Maybe there is that silver lining. (laughs) Very, very faint silver lining. Yeah, extremely faint silver lining. Plus, of course, if you're stuck on the island and all you've got is capers, I mean, 
even if you're desperate, it's never going to sustain you. I mean, the amount of capers you'd have to eat to survive is... If you ate enough capers to survive, the salt would kill you, I imagine. Yeah. Although quite nice with fish, which would be one of your primary dishes on the island. But, I mean, again, you hate them, so that's that's sort of irrelevant anyway, isn't it? They wouldn't even be a good seasoning for me. They would they would make the fish, even if I was starving, I'm not sure if I would eat fish with capers. <laughs> I think I, I like this. I think this is quite a, a very specific one. You know, sometimes you get a very broad group of foods, but I think the caper is is a very good choice. And um, what would be your your drink to go alongside that? Drinks that I don't like. Well, I don't drink alcohol. Okay. But uh, it, milk, I think, would be a very bad thing to have on a desert island. Yeah. And if I uh, if I drink too much milk, because I was brought up. Uh, Burmese Buddhist, uh, very specific. A lot of the food that I was brought up with wasn't dairy heavy, which means if I drink too much milk, it's not even like I throw up. It just bounces off my stomach and comes back out of my mouth. <laughs> wow. Like it doesn't make me feel sick. It just doesn't stay in. Yeah, it's just uh, your body just expels it instantly. Just immediately. It's still cold when it comes out. It's a disconcerting experience. Sorry to get graphic. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, of course, it's it's one of those things that it's never going to quench your thirst, is it? I mean, there are people who like to drink milk with meals, which I always find a bit odd. Yes, people who drink a glass of milk is is confusing to me. Also, I think on a desert island specifically, it wouldn't last, and it, hot milk or warm milk isn't that nice. No, unless you're making it warm on purpose in order to make a warm milk drink. That's a thing people do. Yeah. Yeah, but I think uh, we're going to take it sort of at room temperature for this one, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, no no fun, I think. Do you think there's something slightly creepy about grown-ups drinking milk? Because there shouldn't be, like, you know, my son likes a glass of milk and that seems fine because he's, you know, he's three. But it's, it's every now and again you see a grown-up just drinking a glass of milk and it's something a bit like they're a murderer or something. It's something not right. <laughs> Well, sort of, yes, plain, a glass of plain milk is, a. I think, there's not really necessarily much of a flavour to it. Mm. It's sort of a, a textural experience of maybe slightly oily water. As someone who doesn't drink milk I, uh, very much, I can't, um, I can't really speak to what, why someone would like it. But yeah, yeah it's, it, is, it is disconcerting to see a fully grown person drinking a glass of plain milk, though for some reason less disconcerting to see them drinking uh, flavoured milk. Yeah, I don't know where the rules come in, because if anything that makes it more childish to sort of make it flavoured, but that is also more acceptable. I, yeah, I don't know who invented these rules. but Yeah, these subtle... Subtle currents of <laughs> acceptability and disgust are infinitely fascinating. <laughs> okay, so capers and milk. Yeah, that's a that's a heady. Also a bad combo. Yeah, really <laughs> bad. I mean, that's curdling straight away, isn't it? Even if you could keep it down, I doubt you you would. <laughs> um, now, Alice, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Oh, now this is the really hard one for me. Um, I can't... There's a genre of, of, of watching that I do not like, which is horrible people doing horrible things to other people. Okay. Whether it's documentaries about 
drug dealers or abusers or criminals or true crime or horror movies. Uh, I ca- I just can't I can't stomach it. So I almost don't have a favorite because I can't even watch. I mean, I don't. I almost don't have a least favorite because I just will start watching, and once I realize what it is, mm. I'll, I'll kind of walk away from it uh, almost immediately. So I don't know. Just think of maybe like something like a Saw movie would be yeah. the epitome of 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 that genre for me. So def- let's say the Saw movie. I couldn't. It's weird, isn't it? Those sort of films seem to got really big in the last kind of fifteen twenty years, and. When I hear people even describe them, I just can't understand why why people... I, I, I'd be terrified for weeks afterwards, or, or even if you're not scared, it would just it would just stay with you, wouldn't it? So it's the, t- it's the two levels of the thing, of the watching of the um, act on screen, whatever it is, this terrible, murdery, horrible, painful torture thing, uh, and then the fact that there were people who sat down in a room and planned it out. Yeah. And there was someone who had to light that scene and someone who had to, like, lovingly pour the fake blood in and make sure that the effect of someone's skin ripping off was perfect. There's something about that that upsets me. And I know some pe- that's kind of what some people love about it. They love the technicality of it or the the, the, mm. the special effects, makeup or whatever it is, but I, I can't handle it. I just can't handle it. It's almost something a bit stranger than saying, "Oh no, I watched all this horror, but it's just for the special effects." You know, that's that's uh, that's quite weird in itself, isn't it? Yeah, I just want to, I just want to back engineer how they made that person's eyeball pop out of their skull in such a realistically horrifying way. Like, oh no! Yeah, yeah, it's very <laughs> no. odd. Yeah, even there's been times where. So uh, for my work, I have to sort of sometimes edit trailers together and um, I've had to watch, you know, trailers for horror films. And even that I don't like that much because that's, the, that's you know, no. the sanitised trailer bit that everyone's allowed to see. And they do the music and then the jump scare. Yeah, I don't like it. I really don't. Yeah. I'm the, even in a trailer, I'll put my, in, in a movie trailer with I'm with a friend, I'll cover my eyes and be like, tap me when it's over. Like, I can't. <laughs> And and the sort of the nature of um, you know the franchises like Saw, there's been quite a lot of them, haven't they? And you know that to make a sequel or a third one or or whatever, they have to kind of up the ante each time. So they have to be worse each time. Yeah, there's just what what could be more awful. Let me th- let's turn our mind and dwell on this even more awful thing. And then yeah, I mean I understand why horror movies, why people like them. I understand why you know they're very they're very cheap to make and they have a really good return on investment uh, has a kind of a commercial property but not for me not for me mm. i'm too easily nightmared yeah I, I i have people sometimes i say oh yeah but you know the human centipede you've got to watch it it's so funny the way that this happens and i just think like no way that's that sounds like the worst thing Ever. I just think there's so many opportunities to feel terrified in the world these days without inviting more into your life. Exactly, exactly. And then yeah, I don't I don't I don't think it's funny. <laughs> it, okay. It's the same thing as I said at the beginning, like I feel too sorry for everybody. <laughs> like I I just can't like I even even disaster movies, which I will occasionally watch because I quite like action movies, I really appreciate that I really appreciate about the Fast and the Furious franchise, if you watch it, um, that whenever cars crash or get crushed or explode, 
Um, they give you just a split second to see that there's no one in the cabin of the vehicle. Right, right. You, you, don't, you don't register it, but it's one of the reasons that people criticise the franchise in, in that the, the stakes feel so low. Okay. But that's a deliberate thing, I think. Okay. I, I give them the credit for doing that. Um, but, like, I can't watch disaster movies where the hero's running away and then you see, like, 20,000 people get crushed by a wave or a volcano in the background. I feel sorry for those CGI people. I can't. Yeah. Uh, there's someone I knew who, who said he, they felt really unsettled watching one of the big kind of action-adventure blockbusters because there was whole cities getting destroyed and all he could think of was the infrastructure and the clean-up operation afterwards <laughs> and how difficult that would be. And they, they do that, don't they? There's that sort of... As long as these five people survive, it's okay that that whole building fell down. Yeah, yeah. I don't like, again, that sort of almost the thinking behind the creation of the scene that disturbs me more than the scene itself. Yeah, yeah. Now, that makes makes a lot of sense. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll say uh, a Saw-style horror franchise. Mm-hmm. Let's say Saw 3 on the premise that it would be more upsetting than Saw 1. Yeah, <laughs> good call. Okay, and what would be your your song choice? My song choice for least favourite song? Oh, that is particularly hard. It would be... Do you know that... I have a friend who is a programmer and he listens to this sort of very disconcerting, alien-esque, dissonant, like, dance, trance techno music it's sort of okay i don't know what the name of it is but it's it i find it it makes me upset just to hear it right it's like deliberately upsetting music (laughs) so is it sort of like a very kind of aggressive sort of electronica or something like that yeah it's sort of he likes it because it makes him feel stressed out so he programs harder right so stressful music that that kind of music that anxiety stress music i'm sorry i don't have a better name for it yeah so so deliberately i, I don't really understand deliberately stressful anything i suppose it's the sort of audio equivalent of of a horror film isn't it is i i, I want to get my pulse racing to music in a, in a nice way in a surge of kind of you just want to feel positive or or like something good yeah, or even even sad music if it's sort of beautiful and and has a sort of a there's a beauty to the melancholy but there's i feel with these people out there deliberately writing ugly music yeah as a kind of a, a rebellion against norms or a rebellion against formats or whatever it is and i can respect that as an artistic choice yeah but uh, i when when i feel it i can't i can't handle it but I'm also quite sensitive to music in that that sounds really wanky but like I can't listen to music in the background I can't not pay to pay attention to music if it's there Mm. I can't work with music in the background it draws my full attention so if it is like deliberately unpleasant or unsettling then I get carried away in that and and often this sort of stuff it's it's so deliberately sort of obtuse that you know they'll have very difficult time signatures and sort of beats that don't quite follow a normal pattern so there's no way of it not bringing your full attention yes you know it's sort of deliberately jarring isn't it so there's no regularity you know it'd be good torture music because you'd never just fade into the background yeah it alienates you from from yourself and you know it's interesting because even within genres you can t- I can tell I can feel a really big difference. So there's some like death metal or heavy metal or that I'm totally okay with, and others that I just can't 
handle. Like I love a bit of Pantera, mm. which you'd think was deliberately disconcerting, but it's got so much kind of musicality to it that I'm I'm down for it. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. There's still a sort of a sense of what the song is rather than just everything just fighting against itself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. I think sometimes as well, when you listen to this sort of music, it's like very complicated jazz or stuff that you you just feel so out of the loop. It almost you almost kind of think, is this? Why don't I get it? Is there something wrong with me? I don't understand. Am I am I just a bit vanilla or something? You know, is it? It's like being in a conversation with friends who are doing in jokes that you're not in on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Deliberately exclusionary. <laughs> So, we're going to call it deliberately difficult electronica. Yes. <laughs> Arrhythmic electronica. Okay, so while Saw 3 plays in the background, you've, oh, no. you're sitting in front of a plate of capers and a big glass of milk. Oh. Uh a magician's a magician's assistant well a magician's companion. <laughs> um someone rating your your body parts. Uh, and and an overly sincere man. I mean, you're you're really acing this. I've got to say. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it, and why? I've got to say, a flamingo. A flamingo. Interesting. Yep, they're just the arrogant French-nosed, knobbly-kneed, swamp-sucking <laughs> pink. They just get weight. See. I have nothing against them except that everyone thinks they're so great mm. and they clearly think they're great. <laughs> just just the the like the millennial pinkness of them, the <laughs> fact that they throw up blood red cottage cheese into the mouths of their children and think they're cool for doing it. <laughs> Look at them. Look at them. Horrible creatures. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to imagine them being a kind of easygoing, chilled-out animal to hang out with, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and they they, they just they'll steal other eggs and they'll they suck up krill in their through their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird bird, isn't it? It's sort of how did you become what you are? It's too strange. It's too strange. Basically, I didn't really have a thing about flamingos, except that I made a joke about having a thing about flamingos on the Bugle podcast, and then people started sending me pictures of flamingos all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, actually, I was right. I read a thing about them once that apparently the only reason they're pink is because of what they eat. If they didn't eat the some sort of, like you said, some kind of krill or something off a lake floor... And if they didn't eat that, they would they'd just be a kind of pale pale colour or a sort of white colour. So they're kind of one of their distinguishing features is sort of by accident as well, which kind of makes me respect them less, you know, because it's like <laughs> the whole thing is that you're a beautiful, elegant pink <laughs> thing, but you didn't really mean it. It's just, just accident. It's a lie. The whole thing's a lie. And they look sort of... Um, there's something kind of this too fragile looking like their legs look too spindly they look like they're about to break it's kind of it kind of makes you feel anxious yes it does and then they stay in these salt things and they get salt on their legs in horrible big knobs <laughs> it's, it's not okay it's not okay big knobbly salt legs yeah. i like that you refer to the millennial pinkness it's uh i find that every now and again there's a sort of an animal that becomes kind of in vogue a bit and you know some like owls were very fashionable for a while and and it feels like 
flamingos have had a bit of a, a resurgence. You see people with flamingo tattoos and things like that. There's Every now and again, one animal is cool. Yeah, but I think... This is the thing. I can get owls. Owls seem to have a personality. Mm. Flamingos are a cipher. They are yeah. an arrogant cipher. And... And they don't mean anything. And I think they, they sort of represent the utter emptiness of the millennial aesthetic in that it's elegant but without content. I, I was looking for a response to that, but I think you've summed it up so beautifully. I don't think I have a retort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about this too much. <laughs> no, I think it's perfect. Yeah, because what do we know about them? What do they do? Owls, yeah, you hunt at night, you know... L- like your heads rotate 90 degrees or 180 degrees. They look simultaneously clever and goofy. I love an owl, man. Yeah, I lo- oh, I'm a very big fan of owls. But yeah, what do we know about flamingos? Stand on one leg, you're pink. That's about it, isn't it? Yeah, they're just sort of... They, 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 it's, the, it's the self-indulgence of them. It's the, it's they're, the, they're the excessively glamorous girl in a bar who's never developed a personality. Yes, exactly, yeah. God, you know what? I've never thought about flamingos like this, but I think I might fucking hate flamingos now. You've been very persuasive on this. Thank you. You're welcome. And being a Buddhist, I imagine you're unlikely to try and eat a flamingo. But in in you know in dire straits, they're not probably not going to be good eating. I imagine they would taste oily and fishy. Yeah, I don't think that. It's yeah. probably stringy as well. Yeah, you'd steal yourself to finally kill this bird so that you could survive, and it'd just be like really sort of muddy-tasting meat, wouldn't it, I think? Yeah. No good. Yeah. No <laughs> good. Okay. I think Gwyneth Paltrow would be delicious, though. Yeah, she. I mean, she's quite flamingo-esque, isn't she, I suppose? Yeah, but she's grass-fed, you know? It's <laughs> a very good point. Well, Alice, flamingos join you on the island, and... Um, oh. I think you've done a, a great job at picking uh, quite a, an inhospitable environment for yourself. So uh, well done. But um, <laughs> I also don't envy you one bit. So <laughs> thank you for that. Um, Alice, now, obviously, you're currently in quarantine, but where can we hear or see more of you? Well, I have a weekly podcast called Tea with Alice, where I talk about difficult ideas with interesting people. I have a daily podcast, which is a satirical news comedy show, a daily satirical news comedy show set in an alternate dimension. Wow. Uh, It's a short, short sort of 10, 15 minute shows, and they are very, very silly. And also I'm on patreon.com slash Alice Fraser and my stand-up special Savage is coming out on Amazon Prime on the 17th of April. Perfect. So that's all my stuff. So, I mean, you know, fuck quarantine. You're, you're, you've got loads of stuff going on. My workload has, if anything, gone up. <laughs> COVID-19 <laughs> has done little to slow your output. It's very impressive <laughs> indeed. Alice, thank you so much for talking to us today. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing your Desert Island dicks. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. 